0: Alright, notice in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, that verse says, Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Alright, I'll stop reading right there and we'll go over more of that passage here in a little bit. But the title of my message tonight is, Let the Women Learn in Silence. Alright, now nobody get offended by that title. That's right from the Bible. It says, let the women learn in silence. That's very clear right there in the Bible. And I think this is the passage most of us are pretty familiar with. You know, we like to quote it anytime we want a woman to be quiet, right? You know, let the women learn in silence. But, you know, and when we read this, there's often questions that come up as a result of that statement, you know, about women uh, being silent in the church, you know, just how, you know, what can they do? You know, what can they say? You know, it says silence there right now. So, I mean, should we, you know, put muzzles on the women before they come to church? You know, as they walk in, have them put duct tape over their mouth, things like that. I mean, you know, and it's it's funny when you have stuff like this, there's always people out there. All right. And it's usually young guys. Okay. You know, young guys, it's like they've always got to prove something. They got to prove they're like the most hardcore and everything. And so, you know, women, they need to walk into church and, you know, they're, they're going to side with the guy that's the most extreme when it comes to this passage, you know, and if there was a church where they put duct tape over the women's mouth, that's the church those guys are going to want to go to, you know, and I mean, does anybody think that that's what's talking about? You know, that from the time a woman walks in these doors to the time she walks out, she's not allowed to open her mouth. All right. I don't think anybody thinks that. I mean, obviously, there is a time and a place where women uh, can speak and when they can say certain things. But when are those times? And so let's go ahead and I want us to look at these passages and understand what this is talking about here so we understand that what it means when it's saying be silent all right you know and you know none of you, we don't want a man going up and rebuking some woman because they're having a conversation with another lady after the service saying you're supposed to be silent in the church and you know we hear these things all the time you know my wife you know she's been uh had this verse quoted to her through twitter before because she was you know speaking on twitter and she's had this thrown in her face and i'm like uh, you know i don't think twitter applies to church, or you know that i think it's talking about church not twitter not t- social media but what we want to make sure we have that we are following what the bible teaches right here and so i want to show you something because so first up there in verse 11 notice what it says it says let the women learn in silence with all subjection but i suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. I want you to notice that this problem here, the, the problem with women, it's not them making noise, All right, it's not sound coming from their mouths, but it is them usurping authority. It's them not being in subjection. It is a shame for a woman to not be in subjection to their husband. It is a shame for a woman to be in leadership amongst men. It's a shame for a woman to be instructing men it's it's especially in the house of god that's what the bible teaches that it's a shame women are supposed to be silent because they are supposed to be in subjection look what it says in first corinthians chapter 14 in case you think that's just one passage i brought this up to a pentecostal woman one time too about uh women being silent in the church and boy i thought she was gonna i thought she was gonna have my head after i brought it up I'm like, hey i didn't say it You know, she's like, well, that was Paul. And I was like, well, you do understand he was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost when he wrote that, don't you? You know, and she she didn't like it, so it didn't really matter what the Bible said. But 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34 says, Let your women keep silence in the churches. Right there, duct tape on all the women's mouths. You know, from the time they enter to the time they leave, it says, keep silence in the churches. Therefore, women are not allowed to talk in church, all right? New rule after church, women, if you want to have something to say to each other, go outside and talk. Not allowed to talk in the congregation and in church. Is that, is that what this is talking about right here? Well, let's keep reading. It says, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak, in the church. So right here again, when it's talking about them being silenced, it's referring to them being in subjection. Okay. That is the thing that is the purpose of that is women are not supposed to be leading in the church. They are not supposed to be instructing men in the church. They are not supposed to be usurping authority over a man in the church. Now, as ladies having a conversation in the foyer, usurping authority over any men, is them having a conversation in the pews usurping authority over man. Okay, Now, if they're doing that during the preaching time, if they're doing that during the assembling, if they're doing that during the instruction of the Bible, obviously that's a problem. But understand that this is not just saying, you know, they're not allowed to speak in a church building. Okay, This is talking about, very specifically, them usurping authority over man. It is a shame for a woman to do that. Okay, And you say, well, this happens in churches all the time. There's all kinds of churches where women, they get up and they speak and they instruct and they're often even pastors. Yes, that is going on. But you know, when that happens, it's a shame when that happens. It's an embarrassment when that happens, when that takes place. When a woman mounts a pulpit and she preaches a sermon to the men, that is a shame. Okay, that is an embarrassment. That is something that the Bible is very clear that is not supposed to be going on. Turn over back to First Timothy chapter two, and verse thirteen. You say, why? Why is this? You know, why would God make this law? You know, well, it says in verse thirteen, after it says that there to be in silence, it says, for Adam was first formed, then Eve. Okay, men got here first. All right, I didn't say that. The Bible said that. Verse 14, it says that Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. So right there, understand, God set it up that way for a reason. Do you understand that when man and woman sinned, that God put a curse on them? And part of that curse that we see in the Bible was that the man was going to rule over the woman. We're going to go back to that passage in a little bit. God made that rule, Okay? And ladies, if you don't like it, you're going to have to blame Eve. She ate the fruit first, and so God said, "This is how it's going to be because of this. Your your husband's going to rule over you. You're going to be in subjection to him." That is what the Bible Bible teaches. That is the way it's supposed to be. And it is a shame and it is an embarrassment for a woman to get up and to tell a man what to do. And you know, people might say, "Well, you know what? It's not a shame anymore." Yeah, back in these days, it was a shame for a woman to get up and instruct men. But understand, you know, we live in the 21st century. You know, we live in the age of Hillary Clinton. You know, we live in the age of, you know, equal rights and women's votes and, you know, women in politics and, you know, women governors. I mean, you know, we, you know, they've broken all these glass ceilings and things like that. And therefore, it's not a shame anymore. And let me tell you something in our culture today. Okay. In our culture, it is not a shame for women to be instructing men. It's not a shame in our culture, in the eyes of most Americans today, to see a woman in leadership and tell a man what to do. But you know what? It is to God. It is to God. And it is to people who are following the principles of the Bible. It is a shame to Bible believers. And just because the world's not embarrassed by it anymore, just because it's something that we've gotten so wicked in our country... That our nation doesn't even blush at that. As God's people, we still should be blushing at that. We still should be embarrassed by that. I've only ever sat in, I've only ever sat in person and listened to a woman preach one time. It was at a funeral. It was at a funeral in a Methodist church. And you know what? She actually did a pretty good job. I was, I was actually, like, wow. You know, and she didn't act like a man either. She wasn't like a Joyce Meyer or somebody like that. But you know what? As good as she was, as talented as she was, it was still a shame. That was not God's plan. She had no business, I guess they're Methodists, so who cares? They're not even a real church. But it is. It, either way, it's a shame. And it, and you know what? I was embarrassed. I was kind of embarrassed sitting in there. I said, I would never go to something like that that's just a normal thing, but it was a funeral. You know, you want to be there for, you know, we had it was somebody in our church, their family member had died. You want to be there for them? You know, I guess there's been two times. There was one time here too in Tampico. Oh, that was bad. She was not impressive at all. She read word for word every little thing. It was embarrassing. It was just awful. And she's like, she's like reading her thing and she's, she's going through everything and then she gets to the one prayer and she, and she was like completely monotone the whole time, just standing still, just reading everything. And then all of a sudden she gets to this one spot and she like stops. It was like she was reading, raise your hands. And she's like... And then she like, you know, it is like reading this prayer... With their hands in the air, it, it was awful. I mean, it was absolutely awful. 100% scripted, no personality whatsoever. And you know what? It was worse because she was a woman. So that's terrible. But it was embarrassing. It was it was shameful. That is not what God created women for. And so whenever you say all these things, we're going to get some more some of the scriptures on in a little bit. Can anybody think of who's who's somebody that often comes up in the Bible whenever you bring that up, that women should not be in leadership, women should not preach? You know, there's always the what about Deborah, all right? What about Deborah? And I knew you all would think that. I knew that would come up. And so I just happened to, I figured I I would answer that question. What about Deborah? So let's go back to Judges chapter 4, all right? Now, we looked at a story last week. From Judges, that was a bad story, alright, where Jephthah, you know, made a foolish vow. Understand that God, the things that God recorded in Judges, He's just showing us what happened. He's not saying these were necessarily good things, okay? But let's look at some things about Deborah that often gets people scratching their head and saying there's, you know, exceptions. Or a dispensational might say, well, this was a different dispensation. But I think it's always been a shame for women to be in leadership, and in authority over the men. So Judges chapter 4, verse 1 says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan. And he reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Herosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, she judged Israel at that time. So we've got a woman judge. A woman judging Israel. In the time of the judges, we've got a woman in leadership. And she dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel and Mount Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So the people recognize her as a judge. They come to her. Hey, judge us. Tell us what to do. Settle our matters. And she sent and called Barak, the son of ben of Kedesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali, and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thine hand. And Barak said unto her, if thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, then I will not go. So here we got Deborah the prophet. She's telling Barak. She's saying, "You need to go and you need to fight against Sisera." And he's like, "I'm not going unless you go with me." Something's wrong with that right there. All right, you know, something'd be wrong with me if I hear a burglar break in the house. And my wife's like, "Hey, you know, go see who that is." And I'm like, "I ain't going by myself. You go with me. You know, I'm supposed to be the protector, right? You know that." That would be pretty bad if I did that. But that is exactly what Barak said. And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou uh, takest shall not be for thine honor, for the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. So notice how she mentions to him, hey, this, this isn't going to be for your honor. The Lord's going to deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Alright, so notice though, alright, so when people bring up what about Deborah, okay, well first of all notice this was a time when Israel was doing evil. Okay, and the fact that she was a judge, I don't, I believe Deborah was a good woman. I don't believe for a second that this is, that Deborah, that Deborah was bad for judging. I don't believe this is a bad reflection of her. I think it was a bad reflection of Israel. They were so wicked during that time. They were so pathetic that the best leader they had was a woman. Now, that does not that's not putting Deborah down. That's putting the men down. They're so pathetic. They're so wimpy that what happens? She's saying, hey, it's time for you to go to battle. And he's like, I'm not going unless you go with me. And you know what she tells him? She's like, all right, you're going to go. We're going to win, but it's not going to be for your honor. You're not going to get the glory of this. You're a pansy. All right, you've got to have a woman go with you. You know what? God's going to deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And let me tell you something about women, all right? There are a lot of women out there that are doing a lot of great things, that are accomplishing a lot of great things. There's a lot of women out there that are doing the job of mother and father. There are women out there who are raising their kids and providing their, for their kids. That's not a re- bad reflection on them. That's a bad reflection on their deadbeat dads. That the fact There's a lot of women today that are leading homes not because they're bad women, but because their husbands are pathetic. Okay? It's not because they have a domineering personality. It's because their husbands are weak, lame mice. And, they, and therefore, the women often, they step up when the guys aren't going to step up. That happens a lot. I don't believe that's a bad reflection of women. I believe it's a bad reflection of the men. There are many churches today even Baptist churches that have a lot of female leadership in the church. You know why? Because if the women don't do it, nobody's going to do it. That's not a bad reflection on the women. It's a bad reflection on the men. And ladies, I'm not telling you that if you see something, you see something lacking, that it's just okay for you to just go and take over and things like that. But understand, okay, if it happens, the people we really ought to be looking down on are the men, Okay. Men are supposed to leave the home. But if He's not going to do that, what are the women supposed to do? Just let their kids go to the devil? Are they just supposed to let their kids starve to death? No, you know what they're going to do? They're going to step up. And they're going to take care of things. And so, I personally believe that this was a shameful time for Israel. I don't believe Deborah was a bad woman, but I believe Israel was a bad nation at that time. And I believe this was a shameful time for them. Okay, so... You know, what about Deborah? Nothing wrong with Deborah. Everything wrong with Israel during that time. And notice too, all right? So, you know, uh, well, we're not, we're not going to take, we don't have time to go through the whole chapter, but you all know the story. Sisera, you know, they're losing the battle. Sisera escapes. He goes into the tent of Jael. And what does she do? Jael ends up killing him. Jael ends up slaying him. Now, I would love to see what Hollywood would do with this story, okay? I told y'all about the one Bible movie where when the men of Sodom came after the, you know, the angels, instead of the angel blinding them, they had that Chinese angel that broke out of samurai swords and went on ninja on them. Well, I tell you exactly, I, I know what they would do today, okay? I know what they would do. Have you noticed too, like at work on the news, on like every other commercial that's like featuring something about women, they've got to have something on there. I'm talking about multiple commercials where women are, you know, boxing with, you know, beating on punching bags and stuff. They're always trying to portray women as these tough fighters, okay? And I talked about this morning, they're the weaker vessel, all right? They're not that tough, they're not that strong, all right? My wife's pretty tough, but you know what? You know, she, she hasn't got a chance against me, all right? You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a male-female thing, all right? But I know how this scene would work out, you know? J.L. would be in there, you know, he's going to come try to take advantage of her. And guess what? It's going to turn into a fight. You know, it's going to turn into a fight. She's going to break out some ninja move. She's going to grab a tent spike and do a ninja move and smack it in through his head. But you know how J.L. got him? Read the story. She starts acting like a woman. You know what she did? She starts taking care of him. She gets him to lay down. She gets him all comfortable. She goes to make him some food. She's, you know, feeding him. She goes to the kitchen, you know? And then after she takes care of this guy, like a woman takes care of a man, the man falls asleep. And while he's asleep, she goes and drives a spike through his head. Alright, now that's pretty cool right there. But alright, now that's, that, that was pretty impressive right there. But notice though, she killed him in a way a a female would need to. She was no match for him physically. So what did she do? She did what females do. She took care of the man. He's all relaxed. He goes to sleep. And then, you know, women fight dirty too. They can be vicious. And that is exactly what she did. She nailed his head to the ground. And that, that had to have been a sight to behold. You know, she's standing there outside the tent. You know, hey... Where's sister? He's in there. He's dead. I took care of him. And they went in there and saw that. And you know how she got him? It wasn't because she broke out her ninja moves. She acted like a female. And she, she took care of things. And he was defeated by a woman. The Lord delivered him in the hands of a woman. You know what? That was a shameful thing. Look at what it says in Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 11. Okay? I believe this put Israel to shame... When this happens, Judges chapter 9 verse 52, look, uh, let me read this for, uh, to you first. It says, uh, and Ahimelech came, uh, um, and Ahimelech came under the tower and fought against it, and went hard under the door of the tower to burn it with fire, and a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon Abimelech's head, and all to break his skull. Once again, women get vicious when they need to. They fight dirty, alright? She threw a piece of millstone, cracked, you know, cracked his skull, he's not totally dead yet. Then he called hastily unto the young man, his armor bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew him, and his young man thrust him through, and he died. Even during that time of judges, it was a shame to be defeated by a woman. It was a shame for a woman to be in leadership. So understand that when Deborah, during Deborah's time, her leading was not a bad reflection on Deborah. It was a bad reflection on Israel. It was a shame during that time. And I love it. You know, he's like, I don't want it to be said that I was killed by a woman. But guess what? That didn't work. Look at what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 11. So here we are, years later. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 18. Then Joab sent and told David all things concerning the war. Okay, this is when David told them, uh, he basically told Joab to get Uriah the Hittite killed. And said, And he charged the messenger, saying, Well, now it's made an end of telling the matters of the war unto the king, and if so be that the king's wrath arise, and say unto thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city when ye did fight? Ye knew that they would shoot from the wall, who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerobesheth? Did not a woman cast the piece of a millstone upon him from the wall, so that he died in Thebes? Why went ye nigh unto the wall? Then thou say thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. You know what he's saying right here? When David finds out how we got defeated, he's gonna be like, "Why did you go so close to the wall? Even a woman can kill a guy from a wall." Remember, and she he referred back to the story of Ahimelech who was killed by a woman. And so understand, even though Ahimelech had his armor bearer slain, it was still known he was remembered as the guy who got killed by a woman. You know why? Because that was a shame. That was an embarrassment. And so Joab's telling him, just make sure you mention that uh, that Uriah the Hittite's dead. And then he won't jump down your throat because that was ultimately what King David wanted. And that was a very wicked thing right there. But just, I, I show you all that to show that even during the time of judges, it was a shame for a woman to be in leadership. It was a shame for a woman to be judging the men. It was a shame for them for a woman to be leading in battle. It was a shame for a woman to win the battle. So keep all those things in mind. So understand that it is still today a shame if a woman's leading in church. Okay, It's something that we should be embarrassed by. It's a shame if we're being instructed by the women. It's not necessarily a bad reflection on the women, but it's a bad reflection on us as men. It shows that we have been dominated. Okay? And you know what? I don't care how domineering some women are. I'm not going to let them dominate me. And that's what we've got to say. You know, oh, they're just domineering women. We get all down on the women for being domineering. Well, you know what? You stop being so dominated. You stop being such a wimp. All right? Fight back. You know, not physically. But you know what? Be a leader. Take a stand. And that, that way we're not being shamed. And so I, do, I believe when women are running the show, we should get mad at the men not just the women okay when we see some of these harpies that we've got you know running things in congress you know i mean go ahead and you know if if you want to hate on the hillary's and the diane feinstein's and the barbara boxers you know i'm all for that that's fine but you know what we ought to be more down on the men than anyone else because that is a failure on the men's part so Having said all that, so we see that the problem with the women speaking, it's not the fact that words are coming out of their mouth and noise is coming and they're creating sound waves in the church, but it's that they are usurping authority. That is a shameful thing. It makes us look bad if that's going on. So when can a woman speak in church? All right, because the Bible they still going to be silent in the church. So, so are they not allowed to sing? Okay, well, let me. Ask. obviously they're allowed to sing. How is congregational singing, how is a lady singing in the congregation? How is that usurping authority over the man? It's not at all, okay? What is shameful about a lady singing in church? Absolutely nothing, okay? When a lady's singing in church, how is she telling us what to do? All right, now I've seen it before where women get up to sing a special, and before they sing a special, they start testifying and want to preach a little sermon. That's shameful, all right? I've, I've seen that before, and that is very off-putting. When that happens, when you get some, you know, big old Southern woman gets out there, you know, I just want to praise the Lord before I sing this song. And then they just go into this long story and they start crying and they just, you know, shut up, you know, sing your song. You know, it, you're embarrassing us. All right. This is embarrassing. We don't want to hear you testify right now. I was at a church one time and there was a family that were singing. They were singing. It was the, the father, the mother and their daughter, who is an adult. She's playing the piano. She's singing. All of a sudden, in the middle of the song, she gets in the spirit, in the spirit with a small S. All right, let me clarify that. And she just starts screaming, literally screaming. She's got her hands in the air and she's just screaming. And for like 10 minutes, she's got her hands in the air, eyes closed, looking at the sky, just screaming and testifying. I don't know what she was testifying of. She was crying so much. And occasionally she would stop talking to do a few more screams. And I couldn't even tell what she was saying. I was just a kid and I was like getting freaked out. I was like, this is really weird. You know? And you know, before it was exciting, it was one of these camp meetings where people were running and jumping and I was, I was like having a good time. But when the woman started screaming, I got freaked out. And I remember too, these people had actually sang at our church before and that was a lot more toned down when they sang at our church. But I remember after that, my dad was like, yeah, we're not having them back. <laughs> he was like, I was like, that would have been, I'm glad that never happened in our church. And apparently that was something after that she started doing all the time. You know, and she was kind of known for that. That's inappropriate. All right. That is completely inappropriate for that to go on. And so the woman opening her mouth is not the sin, but the usurping authority. Okay. You know, if, if, you know, if I'm asking, hey, do you have a prayer request? And a woman gives a prayer request. How is that usurping authority over the man? How is that them instructing men? How is that them, you know, claiming any type of authority? All right. Now, if I had a lady come up here and then run that part of the service, that would be a shame. Okay, she's kind of running things, she's kind of instructing things, all that, you know. And sometimes too, you know, here you all are well behaved. I I never have any problems during prayer requests. But you know, sometimes as a pastor too, when you open up for prayer requests like that, I've seen it before where. You know, I remember there's been a couple times when my dad had to kind of shut people down because they start sharing a little too much information. You know, they start going into some of their family problems that everybody doesn't need to know about. And sometimes you got, you actually do have to lead in that and kind of put a stop to things. And, uh, you know, we, we got to be ready for, the, you know, for those things. But, you know, given a prayer request, you know, a woman speaking before church and after church, you know, ladies, we're not going to yell at you if you're having a conversation with somebody. We're not going. You're allowed. You're allowed to talk. You're allowed to fellowship. That is not usurping authority over the man. Okay. Now, if we've got a bunch of guys standing around and some woman wants to just step in and take over the conversation, then we've got a problem right there. All right. That you know, it. it why? Because it's it's embarrassing. All right. You're not supposed to be domineering, dominating the conversation. And what this all comes down to is there are, there are just things that are shameful. And any time a woman's usurping authority, that is a shame. We let ladies in our church, and I've talked about this before, they go soul winning. They knock on doors and they give the gospel to men. That is not usurping authority. Okay, They are literally preaching the gospel to men. Okay, But they're not usurping authority. They are on His property. He can tell them to leave at any time. It's very clear that if a woman is, approaches a man's house, a man answers the door, it's his house, it's his property, everyone knows that, you know, she's not dominating that situation, you know, and that, you know, he can tell her to leave at any time. It's clear that permission has been granted. There is nothing shameful in that. What is shameful is a woman usurping authority. OK, now if a woman goes is out, if, if one of the ladies are out soul winning and she goes to a house and the guy's like, you know what, I'm going to ask you to leave. And she's like, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. I've been commanded. to preach. Now we've got a problem. All right. You know, now we've got a problem. You're you are usurping authority. Hey, it's his house. It's his property. If he tells you to leave, you need to leave. OK, and, and, and that's the same for men, too, in that situation. But, um, you know, and then. So what about questions, all right? Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34 again. So says, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Okay. Now remember, a church is not just a building, right? It's a congregation, okay? It's an assembly of believers, all right? So understand that, you know, the assembly, what we're really here for is what we're doing right now, okay? It's what's going on right now in the congregation. We're all together. We're all in one accord. We're all focused on one thing, and it's the preaching of the Word of God, okay? Right now, it would be inappropriate for one of the ladies to stand up and say, Pastor Tommy, I have a question about what you just said right there. Okay? Especially if it's something too, if she's like doubting, I'm telling the truth. I don't think we do need to keep silent. You know, I have a question about the women preachers, Pastor Tommy. You know, if for a woman to get up and do that right now in the service, you know what? That would be a shame. Especially if her husband is sitting next to her. You know, we're all going to think, you know, who wears the pants in that family? You know? You know, who's running the show in that house? You know who should be, if there is a problem, if there is a concern, even if I get up and I preach some kind of heresy, you know who should say something? It shouldn't be the women. It should be the men. It should be the husbands. And ladies, you're allowed to think, you're allowed to have an opinion, but you know what? If you do, if you hear something, if you see something, you know, talk to your husband about it first. Okay? Don't come to me with it. Talk to your husband about it first. And if he thinks it's a problem or an issue, then you know, he can come to me. And talk to me about it. But at the same time, not in the assembly, not in the congregation. And I think it's appropriate too, you know, in a private sense, if a woman, you know, opens her mouth, you know, if we're having a conversation after church and a woman just asks a question, but I believe even that's limited, okay? So let's just suppose, you know, after church, you know, I'm talking with Brother Mark and Miss Heidi, and we're just having a conversation. And I was like, you know, I was at the restaurant the other day, and then she was like, well, what restaurant was that? Is that inappropriate to ask that question right there? Okay, she just asked a question, right? Shouldn't she have asked her husband, you know, first? Wait a minute. You know, that, I, that's not appro- inappropriate right there to ask that question. But, all right, at the same time, because the reason that's not a problem, does that in any way seem like she's usurping her husband's authority and asking me to just clarify something or asking what restaurant? Okay, but what if... Uh, there is something that maybe they disagree on. And maybe I'm preaching something that she agrees with, but her husband doesn't. And then she's asking that question to try to win an argument with her husband. That's a problem right there. And women sometimes will do that. Women sometimes they'll try to take advantage of that. Hey, I know the pastor's on my side in this one. You know, and and maybe in church or, you know, even after church, they, they like to come and just to kind of throw it in their husband's face. That's inappropriate. That's out of line. That is usurping the authority of their husband. And so if she's thinking, you know what, I'm pretty sure Pastor Tommy's on my side on this one. You know what she needs to do? She needs to say, hey, can you ask him about this? And if the husband says, no, we're not going to ask, then you know what? Don't ask. Listen to your husband. And that, and that, I've seen that type of thing happen before many times through the years where, you know, maybe the woman's married to a guy who's just not a very good Christian or whatever, and she does, it's like she tries to use that as a power play to, you know, to win an argument. That is not, that is not appropriate. And so, you know, uh, you know, women, you know, they they need it, it's better to deal with their questions privately. It's better to talk about these things with her husband at home. And it says if she's right and the pastor is wrong, well, then it's going to be a sh- it's, it's going to be embarrassing for everybody. OK, so just suppose too, just suppose I say something that's wrong. You know, I'm going to get stuff wrong every now and then. All right. Let's just suppose I'm preaching and I'm saying Elisha instead of Elijah. OK, and then one of the women, Pastor Tommy, um, you're getting those mixed up. Well, now I've just been humiliated, all right? And, and first of all, it wasn't even that big of a deal. But even if it was, you know, you're not going to help somebody by humiliating that person. And that is humiliating. You know what you need to do is say, hey, you know, tell your husband, hey, I noticed Pastor Tommy makes this up. You know, maybe you ought to point this out to him on, some, on, on something like that. Because you don't want to em- embarrass me. Because guess what happens when, you know, men get embarrassed, especially by women. Pride steps in, you know, and then stubbornness comes. And, you know, we're trying to help people and you're not going to help by humiliating. So they well, shouldn't be humiliated. Sorry, it's humiliating because a woman is not to be instructing the man. That's what God commanded. You are out of line. Just like, you know, women shouldn't go around beating up men. All right. And just because you can doesn't mean that you should. You're going to humiliate the poor guy. All right. You have, there's no reason for you to beat the guy up. OK, you know, that that is yet yeah, it it's humiliating. You're not going to accomplish anything by that. So, you know, and it said and so it says she's right. Ninety nine times out of one hundred. It's not going to help by her correcting the pastor, by her humiliating him. But we see, too, women are supposed to have a meek and quiet spirit. OK, and remember, meekness is not weakness. OK, a person who's meek, that's somebody who actually could put somebody in their place. They really could tell somebody off if they want, but you know what? They refrain from it. They hold themselves back. We talked about this morning in First Peter chapter three, where it talks about the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. That is a good thing for a woman to have. And you know, I got to watch my wife. You know, my wife knows a lot more Bible than a lot of preachers that are out there. And my she's on Twitter, and she just sees the stupidity of a lot of the old IFB preachers and just their biblical illiteracy. That many of them have. And she's always wanting to tell them off. And I've got to tell her. Don't tell them off. You know. And and I've created this rule for her. That if they come after you. You can fight back. But you're not allowed to pursue them. And you don't know how hard it is to hold herself back from Sam Gipp. Alright. He tweets so much stupid stuff. And she's always wanting. And I was like No you don't get to go after him, all right, she, because, I mean, she has, she's, and she's had, she regularly has, you know, ruck and dispensationalists and Calvinists too, that, that they see her tweets and things, and, you know, she, I don't care if she tweets something, nobody's got a follower, you know, but if they choose to go look and read her stuff, and they want to argue with her, then I tell her, have fun, you know, Especially if they're a Ructard or a Calvinist, I don't care if she makes them look bad. You know, they need to be shamed. But but even but even though these people need to be shamed, it's it would be inappropriate for her to just pursue these people and go after them. That's not right. That does not have the ornament of a, of a of a meek and quiet spirit. And I I don't think I don't think that's appro- I don't think that would be appropriate. And I've had preachers before too that you know I had a preacher a pastor one time. She schooled one of his buddies on there, and so he, like, sent me a text with a screenshot of her tweet that she did, and he added the verse in there about, you know, women keeping silence in the church, and I'm like, yeah, that's church, this is Twitter. You know, know, and, and, you know, that that was kind of funny, but that's when I told her, I was like, hey, you know, watch it, alright? Understand these guys are weak, they're frail, they, you know, they don't know the Bible very well, and, and you're embarrassing them because, you know, not, because they're weak. Alright? And, and I'm telling you right now, my wife could probably preach better sermons than a lot of preachers that I know. But you know what? I'm not going to let her do it. You know why? Because it's a shame. Alright? It, it would be, it would be putting them to shame. And she could put a lot of men to shame <laughs> when, it, when it came to how she preaches versus how, how they preach or how much Bible they know versus how much she knows. But women are they got to have meat and quiet. That means, they might have the answer sometimes, but they gotta learn to keep their mouths shut. You say, I don't like that. Well, blame great, 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 great grandma Eve. All right, her fault. It's in the scriptures, it's very clear. Alright, so they are women are to be silent in the church. They are so, because they are not to be usurping authority. They are not to be in a position of authority over the men in any way whatsoever. That is a shame, and that is the purpose of the silence. So what about outside the church, all right? What about outside the church? You know, when when can women speak, whatever? Well, first off, remember, no man has any authority over another man's wife, all right? Just understand that while the woman is supposed, she's supposed to be in subjection to her husband, all right? I do not have the right to go to somebody else's house and tell their wife what to do. I do not have that authority, there's a lot of these punks out there, too, and it's usually single guys, all right, usually these dumb single guys that are too pathetic to get a woman for themselves because they're such pathetic leaders. They're always the ones, too, that are like, they, they, they think, a lot of these MIGCOW types, which are some of the most pathetic, wimpy men in the world, that can't, they, I mean, they can't lead nothing. They're the ones that are always acting like all women should be in subjection to them. You know, they should be able to tell any woman to shut up or whatever. And, you know, and they've tried that with my wife before, and it's not usually pretty when that happens, but, you know, they, you know, they have no authority. All right. You know, women, they're allowed to think women are allowed to have opinions, but they should never be seen or even be perceived as doing anything that would be going against their husband. All right. And if, and so my wife, even outside the church, okay, whether it be on Twitter or whatever, she shouldn't be doing something that would be going against me. Alright? And, you know, out there contradicting something that I teach, you know, working against me in any way. That would be a shame for that to happen. If she's out there, if I'm preaching, you know, anti-dispensationalism and she's pre- you know, teaching dispensationalism on Twitter, I'm going to look like an idiot. Alright? I'm going to look like George H.W. Bush when he was somebody who was, you know, pro-life. But then later it turned out his wife was pro-choice. You know? And first off, you know, who cares what she thought? She was just the first lady. They don't have any authority anyway. And this was after he got out of office that she made a big deal about that. But that was another thing too. A lot of these Baptists too that were praising Barbara Bush for being such a classy lady after she died, they forgot about the fact she was for killing babies. That's just a side note right there. But it was, you know, it, it but at least her too, she was old and old school enough that she knew that, hey, my husband's the one in leadership. I shouldn't be out there publicly against him on these things. And you know what? Husbands and wives are going to disagree sometimes, but you know what? You ought to keep that disagreement between yourselves. And she did that and people respected it back then. Today, alright, if Melania Trump came out and said, I'm pro-choice when Trump's supposedly pro-life, people would praise that. You know, isn't this great? She's not being dominated by her husband. You know, she's not conforming to her husband's views. But you know what? Even if that were the case, she ought to keep her mouth shut about it. She's not the one in authority. She's not the president. She is his wife. She should not be going against her husband. That would be wrong. And if she's got a different opinion than him, then you know what? She can try to influence his policy, you know, in the home. But I don't even know if she even lives in the White House. You know, I don't think it was nice enough for her. You know, it wasn't fancy enough. But anyway, so, you know, in the end, there's going to be many situations where it seems unfair. And it's going to seem like there's a disadvantage to being a woman. All right, turn over to Genesis 3 and verse 16. All right, let me show you something here. This is something that's important, I think, for men and women to understand. He said, you, you know, that's just not fair. You know, we're women. We're smart. We've got all this information. You know, I'm Gail Ripplinger. I know more about the King James Bible issue than any other man that's out there. You know, I should be allowed to get behind pulpits and, you know, instruct the men. All right. Sorry, uh, not appropriate. And you might think that's not fair. It's a disadvantage. Well, go, Genesis 3, 16. Under the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow shalt thou bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee now what do we call this here we call this a curse all right part of the curse that was put on a woman is pain and childbearing and being in subjection to her husband it's a curse you know what that means That means you got to work through it you got to deal with it the man what was his curse Unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shalt bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till so thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art. And unto dust shalt thou return. You know what? We got a problem too. We got to work. We got to sweat. We got to labor. And it's hard to provide for our family. It's a challenge. It's difficult. That's part of the curse. You know what we don't get to do? We don't just get to say, we well, you know what? I don't like the curse. You know, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to sweat. I'm going on welfare. Is that what God wants? Now, I could do that in this country. But is that what God wants? No. Is that God's will? Absolutely not. Is that wicked for me to do that? Yes, that is wicked. So you know what? I've got to face the challenge of going out, putting in the hard labor, not getting to sleep in when I want to, you know, not getting to you know, spend all my time out fishing and things like that. I've got to go out and I've got to do the work. And you know what, ladies? Part of your curse is being in subjection to your husband and having pain and sorrow and childbearing. And so, that stinks. It stinks that you got to be in subjection, but it's part of the curse. It's God's plan. And guess what? you'll be happier if you do that you'll be happier if you are in subjection to your husband proof of that just look how ugly feminists are just look how revolting and miserable and drugged up and tattooed up and pierced up these freak shows are make me sick i mean the, the most in, you know the most the the hardcore feminists are just some of the most disgusting things that you'll ever look at they look miserable you know why because they are miserable they're the ones that are on all the Prozac and the Valium and taking all these drugs and things that make them more psycho than I won't say they already are, you know, not all under psycho, but they're sometimes a little emotional, right? But it makes it makes these women psycho. It makes them nut, it makes them nutcases. They would be happy. And guess what? Men who won't work, they're not happy either. Alright? You don't want you know you these these lazy video game losers that just sit around just in front of their televisions all day. They're not happy people. That's why they're always drunk. That's why they're always taking drugs. They're miserable. That's a miserable existence. You're better off doing what God told you to do, just dealing with the curse and just submitting to it and saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to go out. As men, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do the work. I'm going to go out and I'm going to provide for my family. Ladies, you'll be happier if you say, you know what? It stinks being in subjection, but you know what? I'm going to listen to my husband. I'm going to have the children. I'm going to do what God said to do. And understand, when women seek to be equal with men, they put themselves under a double curse. Because think about this. No matter what I ever do, I will never have to bear children. I don't have to, I'll never have to have the pain and sorrow and childbearing. Thank God for that. I'll never have, I'll never have to do that. I am not under that curse. But you know, women... They often do the pain and sorrow and childbearing. And then they're out, you know, working like a horse outside the home, providing for the family under the double curse. God didn't put that on women. God put that on the man. But women today, because they've fallen for feminism, because they've fallen for this equal rights garbage, they've decided, no, I want to do what the man does. But guess what? They still have to have kids and all those things, too. Well, I can take birth control. I can go have this surgery. And then you're going to be a psycho you know, because of all these things. You're going to have all these health problems because of all this junk that you're putting in your body. You're going to have emotional problems. You're going to have have physical problems. Everything's going to go out of whack and out of control. You're not going to be able to control your weight. You're not going to be able to control your emotions. None of that stuff because you're all pharmaceuticaled up. And you wonder why you're miserable. And you wonder why you've got to spend a lot of your hard-earned money on a psychiatrist and on a therapist and why you got to go and you got to spend all this extra money to go pamper yourself and treat yourself to all these things to help yourselves out emotionally. Well, you'd have been happier if you'd have stayed at home, if you'd have submitted to your husband and raised some children. You'd have been happier if you'd have done all those things. But you didn't. You fell for the lies of the world and you're miserable as a result of it. And women today, women are in a tough spot today. Women are in a tough spot because today men are a bunch of pansies. They're a bunch of pansies. They don't want to leave. But you know what? Women, they're not going to help the cause by stepping outside the position God put them in. If you keep bailing these bums out, they're going to keep being bums. You know what you need to do sometimes? You just need to trust God. You need to trust God that he'll change their heart. You need to trust God that he'll whoop him into shape. And maybe if he's that big of a pile of garbage, if your husband's that bad, maybe pray that the Lord will take him out and give you that way you're free to marry a new husband. And there are... The, if you won't provide for your own, you've denied the faith you're worse than infidel. You know what? A guy who won't do that, he needs to drop dead. And you know what? If a woman's married to a guy that won't provide, that's making her have his children and provide for him at the same time, you know what? I wouldn't get mad at that woman if she prayed for God to take her husband out. Lord, I need a new husband, but I want to stay in your will, Lord. I can't get a new husband until death do us part. And so, Lord, if you could do something about that, I'm, I believe with all my heart, if a woman did that, I think God would take care. Of, I think God would either straighten him out or take care of things. People die in car wrecks every day, all right? People die in crazy things every day. And I don't think that I don't think that would be a bad prayer. I feel sorry for someone I feel sorry for some of the men that are out there too, man. I think you can say that prayer too. If you got if you got one of them wives like that, say, Lord, I'm trying to do everything I can. I need a new wife, but I can't get one according to your will until death do us part. So if you could speed up that process, I would greatly appreciate that. You might think I'm terrible. I don't think that's wrong. I'm 100 percent for that. I've prayed I've prayed for some people's spouses to either get right or die. And I don't feel bad because of that. You know, in the Bible days, if they committed adultery or something like that, they were supposed to be put to death. Well, our government's pathetic. We don't put adulterers to death. So you know what? The Lord knows I can't do that, but He can. He can put them to death. You know what the problem is most time though, is just the other one's not as innocent as they think they are. You know, and but I'm telling you, I believe if they submitted to God's will, God would get you a new one, and that would mean you'd have to kill the old one. but I, I, don't know. I don't i don't I hope you don't think I'm terrible because of that. i but I feel great about that. but anyway, you know what women need to do, they need to worry about what they're supposed to do and have faith that God will work on their husbands. You know back first uh, Peter chapter three, I'll close with this. first Peter chapter three. In verse 1, says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. God's telling them here, hey ladies, if you've got a lost husband, you do what you're supposed to do. And maybe you'll win them over. I think if a lady or even a husband would at least do what they're supposed to do, I think most of the time God will straighten the other one out. That's what I think would happen. But if, if not, I think God would take them out. And I, don't, I, think, I think it's fine to, to pray for that. I will say I've never prayed for the Lord to take my wife out. Right? I've never, I've never, she's never been that bad. All right. Prayed a few times, maybe straighten her out, help her out a little bit. Not just kidding, but uh, n- you know, never gone that far. Don't be quick to do that, all right? Don't be quick to do that, but you know, it, but you do your part. You do your part, and ladies, that's going to be tough. That's going to take some faith, right there. But you know what? It's going to take some humility. But God resisted the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. God will take care of you in that. So let the women learn in silence, all right? This is all about subjection. It is a shame for a woman to be in authority over a man, instructing men, ladies after church, y'all get together, y'all talk all you want, have fun, have a good time. We're not going to put duct tape over ladies' mouths before they come to church. We're not going to get muzzles for the women of Liberty Baptist Church. You know, you're, you're allowed to, you know, if I say something funny and you laugh or something like that, that's fine. You're not usurping authority. All right? I'm not for women amening and stuff in church. You know, once again, that could look bad if I'm like, you know, some of you deadbeat husbands aren't doing what you're supposed to do. We don't need to hear your wife at that point. Amen. You know, and especially too, if I'm pre maybe you had an argument and I'm preaching something, I'm on her side. We don't need your wife sitting there. Amen. That's right. And, you know, and shouting and stuff like that. You know what? Because you know what? She's she's making you look bad. So you're usurping your authority. All right. Men, if you want to do that, you're the one in authority. All right. You're the ones that are allowed to speak and allowed to say something that that's fine. But when it comes to learn, let let them learn, let the women learn in silence. And so I hope that was a help to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll help all of us, Lord, to uh, practice these things in our lives and to, uh, Lord, I pray you'll help us to just uh, make it clear, Lord, though, we don't we're not looking down on women. They're obviously very special There's something to be cherished and honored as we talked about this morning. But dear God, I pray You'll help all of us to just recognize the roles that You have placed us in. Help us to realize we're not going to make things better by getting out of line and, and changing Your plan. I pray You'll just help everyone to have the faith that they're supposed to have and be obedient. In Your name we pray. Amen.